Hi, I'm Claire Lehman. And I'm Patricia Troop. And this is our first official podcast of the Teenage Take series um, from the St. George's School in Middletown, Rhode Island, Mr. Lytle's F period, and we are so excited to be starting this. We created this podcast because we wanted to explore a different way of sharing our ideas. You know, this is a way we're not only exploring something new and different, but it's also learning how an office environment works. It's not your typical essay writing class. We decided to think outside the box. Each student had a specific role in this project. Um, Michael Gutierrez, our tech producer, Liv Haley, our editor, Liam Malsey, our producer, me, Claire Lehman, and Patricio Troop, your hosts. Um, we all worked together to contact people, to interview, edit the podcast together. It's a total group effort. Olivia DeRico is also in charge of our social media. She created a website where all our information, podcasts themselves, and photos can be found. Uh, we based this podcast off the book Redeployment by Philip Cloy. You know, we've been reading this collection of sorts stories on soldiers stationed in Iraq, with, uh, and PTSD was the first topic of the first story we read about. Uh, this was something that most of us were pretty unfamiliar with, um, and we were very interested in it, though. So we decided to make it our, you know, our first official topic. We wanted to interview people with original questions rather than just talking about the book Redeployment, and we realized there were a lot of people on campus and in our personal lives who had experience with PTSD. So our first interview was with Dr. Jeff Goldman, who is our school guidance counselor. We knew a little bit about Dr. Goldman's time as a therapist in New York City during the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and we were interested about those experiences and how PTSD played a role in those. We also interviewed Rosie Knoll, the first gunny to be awarded the Purple Heart Award. She gave a lot of insight about what it was like to be injured as a woman in Iraq. Our last interview was conducted with Joe Quinn, who went to West Point and served in Iraq. He gave us a lot of insight about what it must have been like to be in Iraq with American soldiers in their country. The first short story we read was called Redeployment and is about a guy who comes home from the Iraq war and he talks about how he is affected by certain noises and the atmosphere of a city environment, especially dealing with PTSD. From this story, starts on page 12. Quote, so here's an experience. Your wife takes you shopping in Wilmington. Last time you walked down the street, your Marine on point went down the side of the road, checking ahead and scanning the roofs across from him. So, Patricio, yes. what do you think about this quote? Um, this was one that I actually liked the most, which I thought was the most relevant to, you know, what we're trying to, to get across to people and what really grabbed our attention in that story when we read it at the beginning of the year. Um, I think this just really kind of gives you what PTSD is in a few amount of words. Um, you know, when this guy comes home and um, he's starting to do normal things. He's mm -hmm. starting to, you know, go shopping with his wife and um, just, do, just do normal things that a normal person would do in their everyday life. Um, and I think that in, I, in, in war, anywhere you are, um, anytime you're deployed, it's so different. Everything is so different. So I think here yeah. he's really showing how He's can see he thinks everything warlike almost if mm -hmm. that makes any sense. He's really thinking about how it was in the war. How I think PTSD really is just you see everything normal. Well, if you were in the yeah. PTSD in terms of the war, um, everything that's normal that you would be doing in your everyday life, you related to the war somehow and think about what it would be like in the war. So here he's saying, you know, your marine last time he walked down the street, your marine on point went down on the side of the road, checking ahead and scanning the roofs across from him. That's 
thinking about what it was like in the yeah. war. And I think for PTSD especially, from what we've learned, it's that even after you come back, what you're saying, these normal everyday activities, just being in a, like, just a street can remind you of what it was like to be back in Iraq, which is a, clearly a traumatic event. And I just think it's it's really just impressive, the lasting impact that something that might seem so, like, trivial to us as walking down the street might have, like, a negative connotation, like, you're about to die, like, in Iraq. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I guess that just shows, like, the contrast of environments and yeah. what it's like. And here we'll show you some um, clips from interviews we had with Dr. Goldman, Rosie Knoll, and Joe Quinn, which really talk about how it is difficult for people with PTSD to come back and do these things, which we find so normal. Um, and it's just, it's really impressive and impactful to hear from people who either dealt with it firsthand or um, were treating people with it with firsthand. For sure. And here's a clip from Dr. Goldman, the St. George's School psychiatrist changes what you read of, you know, you guys have the, the definition of it, but to actually see, um, see it play out in a person's life is a very different matter. Um, and just seeing how difficult, especially with something like this, uh, how difficult it can be to sort of undo some of that damage that's been done, especially, you know, his, the, the firefighter's perspective of life just being so surreal and, and having trouble connecting to just the the day-to-day -day stuff, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to undo that because he really has experienced something that most of us don't experience that does actually change the way he sees the world and experiences the world. Um, and to try to engage in just regular day-to-day -day things that seem so meaningless to him after experiencing something like that uh, is a real, it's a real difficulty. Um, it's not just, you know, like he got trapped in an elevator one day and now he's scared of elevators and we, you know, we can sort of work through that. He went through something horribly traumatic and because of the nature of his job, he's gonna continue to do that, hopefully never to that extent, but um, he will uh, probably be exposed to more loss of life, more injuries and loss of life of firefighters. Um, and, and so trying to live those two worlds. At the it's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, it depends on a number of factors. Um, some people just have better coping mechanisms. Some people have better support. Um, but also some of these things might be traumas that they experienced over and over again, such as you know sexual abuse, say from someone they knew when they were young. That may have happened multiple, multiple times. There may have been threats against their lives or their family's lives if they were ever to say anything. Uh, and then there are people who maybe just go through one, exper one traumatic experience um, uh, such as, you know, being robbed at gunpoint or something like that. Uh, when, when you're able to show them that life is usually not like that. So, for example, some of these um, shootings that we've experienced in schools and, and in Las Vegas, it's, it's easier to try to help someone through something like that when you're able to sh show them, say someone who say, lived in Las Vegas, um, that they've been to that casino, they've been to that area many, many times throughout their lives and nothing has happened before and help them see that the likelihood of anything happening again, it at least helps put the, the trauma into context and allows them to just deal with that one time experience and try to, um, again, engage in a life that generally doesn't include that. For you know, a soldier or, again, someone victim of, of, of abuse who, who went through it over and over again or for years upon years, it can be much, much more difficult. 
Um, what do you want people to know about like this illness and the people who suffer from it? Like a general like wrap up for someone who might not know. Oh uh, gosh, I guess with some of what we just have been hearing in the news that um, I'd say most of the time, uh, at least in my experience, uh, people really do remember uh, very vividly the moment of a trauma, but the time before and the time after can can be almost inaccessible. Um, and so, unfortunately, people could be doubted for the validity or, or the facts of the event uh, because they can't remember some other uh, pieces of it. But generally, the, the recollection of the event itself is very accurate. Um, and then the other is sort of what we already talked about, that this could manifest, the after effects could manifest so differently um, that if you do have someone in your life who's gone through something like that, to, to try to be as understanding as possible about the ways in which that may play out, even if they don't make total sense to you. Anything else? I think that's pretty much all our questions. You know, when Dr. Goldman said, you know, talked about the difficulties of transitioning back into everyday life for someone who has PTSD and how difficult that can um, that can be for someone. Um, I mean, of course, it's difficult transitioning back into an everyday life. I mean, that's really that really is what PTSD is is all about, and that's what's hard about having PTSD is not being able to do normal things without relating them or thinking back to a traumatic experience mm -hmm. which that person went through. Yeah, and he really focused a lot on triggers and just imagining that something so little about a traumatic event like a smell, a sound, you know, the room you're in, someone touching you in a certain place of your body, just something very quick like that can take you back all the way back into a traumatic event. And that, I think, is just hard in an everyday world like this, which is unpredictable. Yeah, and I mean, I could imagine that, but, like, someone like you or you and me, yeah, we can imagine that, but I guess you don't really know what it's really like mm -hmm. and, and until you actually have it and having that actual flashback of things. I could totally imagine that. Yeah, seems like something straight out of a movie. Yeah. Um, he later focuses on just that, the fact that while, you know, PTSD can be very difficult and very difficult, obviously, is an understatement for people going through it there. You can go back to a, I guess, air quotes around normal lifestyle. Like there are ways of treatment. A lot of them involve therapy um, and that you can get back to a comfortable place. Yeah. And like Joe Quinn said uh, when we interviewed him about it's like if you break your ankle and you go to the doctor, same thing with this. You know, if you have uh, an issue with this, then you, you seek help and, and you try and get it, get it yeah. fixed. I think there is just a different stigma around mental illness itself, not only PTSD, just the fact that if you can't see a visible injury, if you don't have a fever or your ankle's not broken or, you know, something like that, it's harder for people to understand the intense treatment you might have to undergo for something like PTSD, depression, or, you know, anything like that. But I think Dr. Goldman really gave a, a positive and impactful insight on, you know, tying together these two interviews we had from, from veterans on how, what the medical um, side to this is, and that there are ways, it just might take time, but there are ways to heal, you know, the mental wounds. Mm -hmm. And here we have Rosie Knoll, the first female gunny to have been awarded the Purple Heart Award. And that was one of the things that I ended up having an issue with mm -hmm. because um, 
my unit itself, I did not experience that camaraderie that I would have experienced had I been in a combat unit. Yeah. Because nobody else understood what I was even physically or emotionally going through at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So I never, I never got to have that. Wow. Every person is, it's, 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 it's different for every person. Um, because they're bringing different private, personal things in to the equation. You know, it, because you have families and, um, I have children mm-hmm. and I had just gotten divorced just before my deployment. So you're bringing other emotions that will affect what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is in and of itself, every person that has PTSD is going to be affected differently. So I think our treatment of people, we can't just say, okay, this is how we're going to treat that. Um, I think we need to treat people in general, whether they have PTSD or not, we need to treat people in the fashion we would want to be treated if we were in that situation. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, let's let's be let's let's have some compassion. Let's and, and I think that's that's probably the hardest part with the military is because we have to be so hard and I don't say unemotional, but detached. But when we come back, we we need to be human. We need to. To treat our, our people like humans. Yes. And 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 too often our society even doesn't treat us like we we matter. It you know just go do this do your job and, and we don't want to hear about it. Like just do your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so society nowadays is is getting you know the further we get away from and I'm going to use the term nine eleven. The further we get away from 9-11, the more people are forgetting what happened and why, you know, so much of this has gone on. And I'm not saying that's why we're still doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But, but remember, I was wounded in 05. Yeah. And so people need to realize that there was a lot of stuff that was going on that we, we as a society need to need to support whether you agree or don't agree with war or conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't have, you know, that community kind of what we experience as like the brotherhood or sisterhood in um, her military experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I just think that must have contributed majorly to the PTSD and just the amount of stress, like going through daily life without having the support system of people who valued her input and valued the sacrifices she made and wanted, you know, wanted to keep her here. I mean, packing up their stuff, that's just a horrible thing to do. What do you think? I agree with that. And I think it also just kind of shows like, you know, she said it herself. It's military life isn't easy, Mm -hmm. you know. To quote her, in her words, you can't be a pansy to go into the military. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's true because that shows you that, you know, like you said, for us, like we would never really experience something like that because we're in a, you know, friendly, safe, mm-hmm. close environment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the military is not like that at all. 
Man, I think for teenagers especially, like this podcast is geared towards that, having that group, that core support group of your friends when things get stressful and when you're overwhelmed to be there and to support you. She didn't have that. And she was, you know, she was older than us, but that's still kind of, that's a human, it's a valuable human like need to have like a group who supports you and cares about you. And she didn't, she didn't have that after that. Of course. And that's what makes like the, what she went through so much more Mm -hmm. valuable and so much more admirable, I think. So what I find really impactful about Rosie's kind of wrapping up of this interview was when she started talking about, you know, PTSD and really specifically that we shouldn't be um, treating everyone's PTSD the same. And I think that's just really important because as we've found through this whole process is that no one's PTSD experience is alike. They're all really different. And I think it is hard to find a way, especially I'm assuming for medical professionals, to find a way to treat that when it ranges from so many things yeah i agree and you know from the different people we've interviewed it's kind of made us come to realize that there are different types of ptsd it's not just war veterans that face it you know it can be like um dr goldman said someone he worked with someone who had ptsd from the 9-11 attacks when he was saving people um that had a really traumatic effect on him um you know there's really different types of ptsd that you know should be treated differently as, as Rosie said and I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think more importantly she talks about kind of this lack of recognition and kind of pride and gratitude in our, our soldiers especially she said the further we get in, away from 9-11 just that kind of loss in the gratitude for others who go out and fight our fight our wars for us. No, I completely agree. Yeah. I just feel like that must be a very difficult position to be in, you know, fighting someone else's battles and not ever receiving the recognition and coming home with these types of physical and mental um, tolls on the body that just, and you never really receive the kind of thumbs up from your country. Yeah, and you know, I think that's part of the thing that we're trying to do, you know, it's to not only educate people to PTSD, but also to, you know, I think just show how much our soldiers do for us and how important their job is. Yeah, I agree. I hope you enjoyed that. Next is Joe Quinn, the executive director of the Headstrong Foundation. You, know, you, you have siblings, but, um, you know, there's also a, a bad side of it. There is just, um, you know, there's anger, right? Yeah. And, and then, you know, <clears throat> anger is not always the best way uh, to, to make decisions or, or think clearly, you know, so there is you know, a, a certain uh, urgency. Uh, I felt lucky that um, I was in a position where I, I could use that that energy. I felt like I could actually do something and be part of something greater than myself and respond to that day. Um, but, you know, there, there's also, you know, a downside to, to, to that anger and those emotions and that frustration of, of, of directing that anger in, in the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, so I, uh, I always think, that, you know, and you got to put yourself in Iraqi shoes as well, right? Yeah. Um, it's like the way I try to explain it. Uh, are, you, are you guys out of the Boston area? Um, I'm from out of the Boston area, actually, but uh, the school is located in Middletown, Rhode Island, so okay, roughly an hour south of Boston. Okay, yeah, so I, I try to explain it like, you know, you know, try to picture, you know, Tom Brady in full uniform walking down 
Broadway in Times Square, right? That would be like a weird image. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of the thing is that, you know, you picture these Americans and we're, we're, we're an artillery unit too. We're a lot of, you know, and back then, 2003, it was, it was an all-male unit. Um, so just think of these just really big dudes with all this equipment, um, you know, walking through with our giant vehicles or taking down electricity lines. Um, so, so you, you sort of got to put yourself in the shoes of the Iraqis of, um, you know, just, just picture your own neighborhood, just, you know, that, you know, foreign troops coming in and like, what the, the heck is this? So there's this, um, and it was an interesting time in 2003 because, you know, I went to my, my first blobs, they call them battle upfield, uh, uh battle update groups. Um, and I'm a, a second lieutenant, which is the lowest level of the officer corps. Uh, but you're also responsible for, you know, your, your FBC or your platoon uh, of, of enlisted soldiers and NCOs. And I remember uh, one of my first uh, questions was, uh, you know, what is an IED? Um, and, you know, now that's very known, the weapon of choice for the, the opponent for, for the war, which is the explosive device. Uh, and no one laughed at me because it was that early in the war, and we just lost a soldier to to an IED. And um, and I remember we used to laugh at them at first because there were these poorly constructed devices that they used from the old. Um, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and um, they, um, you know, and then they they more and more got more and more lethal. And I remember one of them was you know just just picture one shell um, with, you know, a simple ignition that, that would kind of just, you know, make a, a almost like a blockbuster for Halloween, you know, make your, your Humvee or your vehicle, you know, jump. Uh, but then each week I got progressive, they got progressively deadlier. And that's what's so weird about this particular war um, is, you know, sometimes you see movies, there's, there's the enemy on one side the, and then the good guys on the other and they're facing each other and you're shooting at each other. Um, but this was sort of 360, you know, there's just threats everywhere, um, hiding among the population. And you can see how that, that's a, a recipe for trouble because you don't know who the enemy is. You know, you don't know where the threat is, whether it's coming from the road or a building. Um, and, um, it's just, in over time, it just builds a level of tension, um, that you're constantly on higher alert, um, which is very difficult, um, to let go of when you come home. So that was a pretty impactful um, section from yeah, Joe no, Quinn's sure. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about that, Patricio? I thought the part about the anger of him losing his sibling, I thought that was – that part really struck out to me because, like I like I said in the interview, it's a very, you know, a very harsh thing to go through, obviously, but it's a very, like – intense reason i can't really find the right word for it but you know a very mm-hmm. good reason to you see what i to mean to be angry yeah, yeah no i understand and that and into... i think it's even harder that he has a focus on that anger like it was the terrorists from 9-11 that took his brother it wasn't like it was an accident or anything like that it was something that i think he channeled you know he seemed to say he channeled a lot of his anger into going to he wanted to go to Afghanistan he wanted to fight and he ended up being in Iraq but just this anger had an intense focus yeah and it's like you know listening to um 
you know, certainly from what we heard in class and, you know, certain people that we talked about, it was never really something like this. You know, we usually heard about, like, people were just like, oh, you know, I thought it'd be, um, you know, when we asked in other interviews, like, Rosie, like, what inspired you to go into war? She said that, you know, she was, you know, having a hard time in college, working a lot, and then that she just thought it was the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, just other people that we've heard about that they just kind of just wanted to do it, you know, because they thought it was for a good reason. But this, it, it was never anything really like this, which was what really struck out to me. Yeah, very impactful. Um, yeah, and, you know, what do you think about the part where uh, Mr. Quinn said that how, uh, when he made, like, the analogy about Tom Brady walking through? I think it's it just, it's really hard to fathom that kind of, like, crazy military presence within your daily lives. You know, just being an Iraqi citizen, like, having just that sort of, like, American military presence, you know, in and around your daily lives. I think we think a lot of it from the American soldier perspective, like, the IEDs and, like, all these crazy kind of bombs and guns and just the craziness of that but being you know an Iraqi average citizen and having these you know again he said you're right with the Tom Brady like imagine Tom Brady walking in full gear that would totally freak me out you know I don't know yeah and I guess that kind of gave us like because I feel like we haven't really thought about that perspective of things like we haven't Mm -hmm. really thought about the people in Iraq's perspective of things you know we kind of always just thought about you know, PTSD and, you know, what it's uh, people struggling with, which is obviously very important and very serious, but I think this is equally as relevant and important to know about, um, you know, what it's like for them and mm-hmm. and seeing people like us because obviously they have yeah. a perspective and, and and things like that on, on the... It obviously impacts their lives as for well sure. as ours, if not even more theirs because they're, you know, it's not like we... You know, the war is not really... We know about it, but it's not really relevant yeah, to our everyday life. It's not fought for us. on our home turf. No, yeah, exactly. for sure. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It was a fun time making, and I hope you enjoyed. See you next time.